Hello, bonjour, welcome to the Football English Podcast. I'm your host Liam, and once again this week I'm joined by Tom. Hello everyone. And Jonathan. Hello everyone. In this episode we'll be discussing Rangers, PSG and Poir. We've got a bumper packed episode ahead for you. Uh, first up, we'll be discussing Rangers, just for a bit of context about the game. Obviously, a well-run out 2-0 winners in the trip to the I-Box in the first match of the Europa League. So a positive start to the group. Tocqueville Camby and a James Tavernier on goal sent a well home with three points. To discuss the game today, we're joined by James from Heart and Hand Podcast. Thanks for joining us, James. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what life's like as a Rangers fan this season and the last season, obviously, which was quite a positive season for you guys in Scotland. Can I just talk about last season? Is that all right? Yeah. Um, uh, pleasure, boys, to be on. Um, delighted to, to uh, help you guys out in terms of talking about the context of the game from my perspective. I was there on Thursday evening, so, um, you know, got got plenty of the atmosphere as part of that as well. Um you know, I've been following Rangers pretty much all my life. Uh, the Heart and Hand podcast is one that's been going for many, many years. More recently, uh, we've been, you know, running on kind of Patreon service as well. Getting the plug in now because you always got to. And, um, you know, since then, we've been growing as a community as well. We talk all things Rangers, all things football, other stuff there within that as well. So uh, we've been going for a wee while now. Got about seven thousand subscribers and growing still. So you know, we we certainly like to think that we know our stuff when it comes to our club, and uh, and in, in, in that respect. And as Tom knows, I, I like to kind of, sort of keep an eye on all things Europe as well. So hopefully, I can get a gauge on all things OL as well. Although you guys can no doubt tell me where I've gone wrong. No, we appreciate you coming on and obviously you'll be able to um, catch James on the Heart and Hand podcast. We'll leave uh, links in the description so you can check those guys out, obviously. We appreciate the support from other podcasts. Obviously, we like to help each other out when talking about football. We like to think we know a little bit about OL as well, so the same goes for Rangers. If we've got anything wrong, point it in the same direction. So... Just to come back to you, James, talking about the, the game itself, were you frustrated with the Rangers' performance considering the result and the fact that you were at home and obviously fans back in Scotland, it's one of the first home games back with you. What did you think about the game in general, I guess? It really was a game of two halves from my point of view. Um, I think the first half, it was quite even in terms of, you know, we were creating... A couple of really good opportunities. I think we were unlucky not to find the net a couple of times. I thought we had some good build-up play. I thought our use of the ball was really good, and I thought that we were putting OL under, you know, considerable pressure at times, forcing uh, Leon to, you know, give the ball away a surprising amount of times, um, in my opinion. But what OL have uh, clearly is attacking guys that if you give them an inch, they'll take everything. Uh, that came true with the goal that Leon scored in the first half. It was a very well hit finish um, from Toko Akambi. And you know, with the chances that I think that we created, I think had it been level at half time, had we managed to find equaliser for summer, I think that would have been fair in terms of the way the game was going. But in the second half, we did not start. And Leon sensed that, I think, and they pushed on and they really dominated the game a lot more. And we didn't have an answer for it. 
So as much as the draw would have been a fair result at half time, the final result in the end was completely fair in terms of the way the game went. I don't think anyone could have any complaints about about the 2-0 result um, because Leon managed the game perfectly from once the second goal went in. Uh, it was really straightforward from there on. So it was frustrating because we have, over the past few seasons, managed to record some incredible results on European stage in terms of teams that we've beaten, like Porto, for example, you know, really fantastic games against you know, Benfica, Braga, I'm naming a lot of Portuguese sides here as a theme, um, but really, you know, th- th- there was a lot of results that we look back and say, you know, what we really stepped up to the occasion. Uh, we didn't do that this time, ultimately, and part of that might have been down to the fact that we had uh, we had an expectation and a hope that we would have made it into the Champions League this season. You know, first qualifying game, we didn't knock out, and rather than it feeling maybe as much of an occasion for a lot of fans, it maybe felt a bit underwhelming this time, which I don't think was how the players treated it. But I think from the fans' point of view, there was a little bit of that um, as well. But, you know, it just kind of got progressively worse from our point of view. And Leon grew into the game more, I think. I think that's a good description of the game. I agree with the way you've basically summarised the game for us there. Would you agree with the way that James just described that Tom in terms of how well managed the game and in the second half dominance took over and the 2-0 was the fair result? I think, you know, we really sort of, this is obviously our first time back into Europe after the final eight. And so a lot of these players, um, you know, trying to vouch again for, for European experience. I mean, most of the players haven't played in, you know, away crowds in Europe, you know, the likes of Cacre, um had only played in the final eight and maybe made an appearance against Juventus, but that was at home. Um, so, you know, Ibrox has his reputation of being a very good atmosphere and intense and difficult to go to. So I think it, it slowly, it was a difficult game to come into. Uh, I think Leon actually did quite well um, for most, you know, the young players, especially. Um, I think of Gusto as well. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely a half-time you know, nil-nil or one-all would have been fair. Lopez had some very, very good saves, which kept it um, in our favour. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, I think it's a, a huge contention point that quality spoke in the end of the game and that, um, you know, the likes of Paqueta and so on were able to to make it, um, to give us a full lead. I mean, obviously, it's a very lucky goal, the second one. Uh, but I think we had other opportunities to put away and Rangers also did as well. So I think it wouldn't have been a criminal that the game ended one all. Um, I don't think so, but I definitely think that the result is deserved. Um, that, that James agrees on that as well. I think we saw we saw in the game, Jonathan, that you know boss is going to be dedicated to this competition, and obviously this is his first European match. You've spoke in an OL managerial position anyway, and you've spoken about him getting his philosophy across. Do you think we actually started to see that a little bit more? Obviously, we had a couple of wins previous before that after the shaky start to the season. Do you think we could see that coming across more on Thursday night? I don't think I really saw the style that much. I did appreciate the fact that there was a best 11, which is rare for a lot of French 
coaches in Europa League, they usually try to make some rotation, but he really put his best 11 for that matchup. Um, there's a lot of the attacking portion of the game is something he, he enjoys, but I don't think we had a high press still. It's not the first few games that we had in the beginning of the season where he had this attractive, super high press. You know, every like basically what happened against Paris, you know, much more pressure here. There was not much pressure. We let them have control of the ball a lot of the time. Um, there was a lot of chances we conceded. I'm I'm probably the most tough on this. Everyone here, I think we should have tied. They had a lot of chances in the beginning um, to score. We know we had a solo goal. That's not really a team play. That just he had a nice goal, but we only had two or three chances. They also had the same amount of chances. They hit the crossbar on a free kick early in the first half. They had a few few chances that Lopez saved. If he doesn't save them, you know, it's, it's part of the game. So I don't want to get too carried away. My question for James, though, is was this a good Rangers performance and Lyon was just better? Or was it a poor Rangers performance and we shouldn't get excited about beating a team like that? Uh, I think overall we were disappointed in how we played. So I think it's the latter. I think it's more the fact that we didn't we didn't do enough. Uh, we didn't show ourselves in our best light. We haven't really done that an awful lot this season overall. So this, this is part of a bigger issue from our perspective. Um, I, I think, you know, and I alluded, to, alluded to it before in terms of how Leon started the game, in terms of their use of the ball, I was surprised at how cheaply they gave possession away. I, I think it was maybe five or six times where a cross-field cross pass ended up going out for a throw-in for us. Um, and I wondered, and I was thinking about this because I knew that I was going to be talking to certainly Tom and obviously you guys as well um, about this and thinking from a Leon perspective about is this is this part of the transition into what Bush is wanting his Leon team to do? Is this a side effect of you know them being in front of a you know, crowd like you get at Ibrox? I just think they had, they needed to eventually grow into the game. Um, I don't think there was anything particularly bad from Leon once the game was 2-0 and it was straightforward. They managed things you know, rather well in terms of being able to stop, stop start the game a bit and it, it didn't give us a chance to build any sort of momentum. But even then, we weren't getting you know, enough chances to our main striker. We weren't you know, using our midfield options in the best way that we can do. Um, out wide, it just was not great. And both both of Leon's goals come from us losing possession really cheaply as well, is the other thing um, within that too. So I can tell at points from Leon why they're not in the Champions League, because on the face of it, they're a Champions League team with the players that are there. Um, and everything about Leon shouts at you, you know, they should be in the Champions League. There's clearly a problem over the last couple of years, which is why they're in the Europa League, but all the same, they're probably the toughest team we could have drawn in Group 1, uh, in Pot 1, um, in any case. So it's the real kind of glamour tie. I I think you know, a lot of guys were maybe you know playing perhaps within themselves. I didn't get as much of a dominant performance as I maybe expected from guys like Kakuri or OR, but... I was just blown away by how Bruno Guimaraes just controlled the game so well uh, in the middle of the park. He he almost played like a guy that 
you don't often notice too much. He's not, he doesn't stand out, but everything he does is so simple, so straightforward, and it just helped Leon really make things dead simple for them. So it wasn't a dominant performance, but I guess it didn't really need to be from Leon in the end. I think you've just uh, described the way we all feel about uh, Bruno. He's one of those midfielders, if you've not seen him before quite regularly, but the listeners, they'll agree with us. He's a, he's a midfielder who seems to be able to do everything. His passing range, his midfield control. I'm sure you've seen, especially in the glory days for Rangers, midfielders who especially dictate tempo in the game. I'm sure you'll have had a few in the past. Bruno seems like one of those sorts of players, so... I'm glad from an outside perspective, people can experience and um, appreciate Bruno as much as we do. I think he was probably one of the factors in where the game was won and lost. Obviously, they were top up. Cambi had a really good game as well. Is there anything in particular, maybe from a setup or, I guess, tactical point of view that you thought the game was won and lost from a Wells perspective, Tom? I think James mentioned this about um, you know the long range stuff that went didn't go perfectly, and I think most of them came from from Boateng. Yes, it's something that's trying to be implemented by Bosch, and Boateng hasn't played in four months, uh, so it was his first start uh, for the club. He's he's already played twenty minutes last weekend, so trying to get back into it was obviously difficult. And to the best of my knowledge, I don't think Ibrox's pitch is particularly big. I think it's quite a close stadium and very close together and that distances might not be quite the same as they might be in the Adams Arena, you know. Not that it's saying it's a worse or better stadium, I'm just saying I think the pitch is slightly smaller as well, which doesn't help. Um, but I think there's a lot of things where we can definitely be happy for. I mean, Toko Kambi probably had his best game, I don't know, his best game necessarily in the Noel shirt, but definitely his best game in a long time. And, you know, every time he, he felt like he could be dangerous, uh, which I can't remember the last time he was like this, uh, which says a lot. Um, Bruno and Paqueta are both great as much as Paqueta didn't play the whole game, obviously, but he came on and did quite well. Um, I agree that Cacre was a bit um, underwhelming, and I think he has been for, for a few times this season. Um, but I think, you know, we, it's a mix of, of good, solid, outtacking outputs. You know, Slimani, I think, did really well to keep the ball up at times. Uh, this is the type of challenges that he really enjoys. Uh, they didn't really get the time to show in, in Leicester, but I think he would have definitely been very good in, you know, in the physical league, like, you know, the Scottish Premier League and so on. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's solid defensively. You know, Denier, uh, as much as... He might have pissed off a few few Rangers fans where he's diving around when trying to get some cheap fouls in his own area. Um, but defensively, he was very solid. Uh, same as Anderson and Gusto. I think both were incredible. So I think it's it's something that hasn't been shown all that much by Bosch, I think, over the years, that it's building from a good defensive line and having you know positive attacking output. Um, it's not something that we've seen all that much. I think he's more a chaotic manager, but maybe he's understood that uh, there's if you're going all out attack, that there's a chance that yes, he might win a few games for free, but there's also a lot of games that he could lose 3-0 like Angers or 3-3 against Clermont. 
So maybe he was like, okay, well, this is our first game in Europe and let's be a bit more solid and try and exploit space and the quality that we have when we're going forwards rather than just you know putting everyone forwards and just hoping for the best. So I think it's uh, collectively, it was it was decent. It's not quite the, the Bosch style that we expected, but I think at the end of the day, we get three points away at Ibrook and I don't think we can complain about that. I'd agree with you there in terms of the way we played. It felt a little bit more conservative and pragmatic than what you'd expect from a typical Peter Boss performance, especially watching him against, you'll see James when Bell Leverkusen played you guys in the Europa League. He's one of those sorts of managers that can play attacking, expansive football. But I think it's good to see that he's sort of come back a little bit in his style and accepted that it's not necessarily the right way to go all the time. Obviously, we want to see the attacking football, which at Lyon we've seen for years, especially in the in the glory years, maybe not so much under Rudy Garcia and Go, but obviously it's something we're used to and want to see. Uh, from a from a Rangers perspective, then James, would you have seen this sort of performance as something that you can take a bit of promise from? Obviously, you're restricted. Leon to playing what would have been a promising style on the boss normally. Obviously, towards the last 20 minutes, we were a bit more pragmatic and defensive, although throughout the game that was a bit notable. But we, I guess, appreciated the fact that Rangers went unbeaten in the league last season domestically. And obviously, you've got that attacking quality up front in players like Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morales. Would you have said that? you would have liked to have seen a bit more in that front when we were so defensive? It's an interesting question, actually, because I think, you know, as I, as I alluded to, there was the a, this disappointment that we didn't really do ourselves enough justice in the game, not necessarily expecting to, you know, win or you know, get a point from the game necessarily, but we, we felt that we could have played better. And I guess that that gives us a mark in terms of where, from where we've been to where we are now. In terms of you know being disappointed and having lost two 0 to Leon, that's that I think help helps us maybe give us a bit of perspective um, in, in that respect. Because you're right, you're, you're you're naming two guys there that are so important to us and what we do in terms of Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morales. Neither of whom really you know carried on the form that they had from last season to this so far. We're kind of waiting for them to really get going uh, in, in that respect. And I really thought that we would maybe see that. And I'm maybe being a bit harsh on Morelos in this because you know, you, you know, he needs the service in order to produce. And he perhaps didn't get that. But what, something he's very good at, which you don't really see often in, in main strikers, is he's so good at coming back to get the ball to and set moves on, on the way. You know, he's almost a bit like a playmaker in that respect at times. So... You know, we didn't really get that as much. Um, you know, I, I I think we're still we're still building on last season, and I, which I think which was so emotionally draining for everyone really involved. Um, uh, and I'm, and we're maybe feeling the effects of that maybe a bit more than what we expected to. But I still look at that first half as something that we can kind of pin our hopes on, and and that we still played. We had some attacking intent. I think some of the defensive work at times when needed was good. Um, less so again in the second half, but it was just momentary lapses in concentration and small errors 
that gave Leon the opportunities to attack. And when they did, they were clinical with it. And that's the thing we need to learn to do. We need to learn to be clinical uh, in our attacking plane. If we do that, I think we'll give ourselves a better chance in terms of big games like this. It's interesting to hear James touch on there, Jonathan, about the mistakes that Rangers made, especially in the defensive third, which Owell capitalised on. Towards the end, Owell were probably a bit more defensive. We spoke about the approach being more pragmatic overall, but I think from my perspective anyway, we sat back and we were a bit more respectful that we've got a two-goal lead and we can probably contain for 20 minutes despite the attacking threats that Rangers have got. Would you have liked to have seen us take the initiative a little bit more in the last 20, 15 minutes and try and grab that third or fourth goal? As a, as a fan, yes, I would have liked it. I was yelling at my TV because I have PTSD from the previous times where we've done this very often. Um, but I do think that part of winning European matches against very good opponents is to learn how to manage a game. And there are times where it's smarter to just stay back when you're in control. It, it never felt, like I said, the, to me, the first half was the one where we could have lost it or they could have scored or things could have changed. But I didn't feel very threatened in the last 20 minutes. And I just thought they managed it pretty well. Rangers didn't really push very hard towards the end. Um, so I think it was just a smart decision. I don't think we should just be reckless and all the time for a score, even though I would like like the idea of that. Um, so. It was just maturity, the team's growing, they're learning how to win games, which is the most important part, you know, when you're in European football, especially. Um, so I don't have any complaints, um, only complaints about the first half, which we'll learn on and do better. But the results there, it's a great result, really great result. I feel bad for the Rangers because that's now a tough result for them. Um, but And they deserve to be the, to, to go through to the next round just because I love this competition and they're a great team. So. Let's just see what happens, and hopefully we can both build, both teams can build on this result and learn with a mistake. Rangers really will have to be more clinical. That's, I think, the only thing that separated us was we we finished our chances and they didn't, um, and that could have been the the result could have been the opposite if they had just scored, you know, early. As you say, there were a couple of early moments where Rangers had opportunities in. For me, personally, I thought we were going to be in a bit of a game. But I think as the game went on, when Tarkwood Camby got his goal, we grew into the game and probably asserted our dominance a little bit more. You spoke about their building on these performances from both sides. I'm going to come back to you, James. So obviously, we're going to be playing each other again towards the back end of the group this time. We'll be hosting Rangers. How are you feeling going towards that game based on what we saw on Thursday night? I think we do need to step up. Uh, from this in terms of you know, maintaining that level for a lot longer. That's that's key, that's important. We've shown both in this game and in previous European encounters that we have the ability to match a team that's that jump up. Um, because at the end of the day, we're a team that has aspirations of being in the Champions League group stages. That's what the fans want, that's what the players believe that they can do. It's going to do that. They're going to have to come up against still position like Leon, um, who, you know, across the board in terms of their full starting lineup and options on the bench and guys who are missing from that, they are, you know, incredibly high quality. So, you know, you have to believe that you can make that step up and match those teams. 
we're not there yet. I, I, I think that's what that game on the Thursday told me. Uh, so we need to work out how we can get to that level. And it will take a bit of time, you know, obviously, as, as these things do. Um, we still need guys, you know, we were missing guys who I think could have could have helped uh, in the game, guys like Yanis Haji, for example, who I'm a big, big fan of, I think, you know, missing that wee extra bit of creative spark uh, in the final third uh, did hamper us a bit. But, you know, you got, you got to work with that. Uh, and I think that we're a good squad, we're a good team. We need to now go into the next games in Europe and prove that. I think we'd more concerned if we were so poor in the second half against one of the other opponents and the result went that way. If it was against a Sparta Prague or a Brumby, with all respect to them, uh, we'd be far more concerned, I think. Uh, the group is still very much alive from our perspective. I think it's quite clear for me that the likelihood is a one-two between uh, yourselves and ourselves with you guys more than likely finishing top of the group. What I was saying to my friend as I was walking uh, away from the stadium was I do not want to have to go to Leon needing to get something. And I want it to be wrapped up in terms of qualifying for the knockout round by the time we head over uh, to face you guys because the way things are just now and there's such a long gap between now and the next game, so so much could change. But as things are now, I, I think expecting to go there to get a win or even a draw is uh, quite a few things need to need to happen in our favour uh, between now and then for that to feel more realistic. I will say, coming from a Leon perspective, weird things can happen at the Group Arm Stadium in terms of results like Last season, when we started recording our podcast in February last year for context, we started on a 1-0 defeat at Mets, which Mets are currently bottom of the table in league and or in that vast majority of teams. So it, it, it can be like that. So I would give you a bit of a, a bit of a chance coming to a Group Armour Stadium, especially with um, the fact that you will be able to bring fans over as well as um, I know in the UK that travel restrictions and things are being eased a little bit. Um, from an OL perspective then, Jonathan, are you confident that we can get another three points? And obviously that by that point, you would hope we will have wrapped the group up, no disrespect to the other teams, but considering the rest of our opponents before we do play Rangers again, I think we've got a good chance of heading towards maximum points. Do you think this would be an opportunity to play some younger players? Or do you still think we need to respect our opponents and go at it with a bit of, um, of positivity like we did in the first 70 minutes of this game? I definitely think we need to go full out, best 11, play our best game. It's not over just because we have, we play our toughest match you know, on paper on the road against the, the second best, uh, other best opponent in the group. So we can't just be like, we won that game. We're good now. We have to win the next two. Um, hopefully win all three of the first day of first round of, of group matches. And then maybe you can think about doing some rotation. Um, it's way too soon. If you don't win the next game and Rangers win, then you're back. You didn't really take advantage of that result. So I don't think Bush will do that. I know how important these competitions are for him. I think it's important for attractiveness for the club because I think part of the project is to 
make the club attractive to people to join. That's a, and, and I think being successful in, in Europa League is, is very important. So I think we need to uh, best 11, no breaks, every game until we, we, you know, I know there's other games in between. It's three days, three days, three days, every, every couple of days we're playing. But that's, that's what all the big teams have. And if there's injuries, you just send them out. But we can't, we can't just let go because we have one good result. I think you're right there. Obviously, consistency is key, especially in European competition. You can't take anyone for granted. Um, I think in terms of discussing the the next way leg, we'll be able to discuss that in a bit more later on. You've just mentioned that in the chat of our meeting that we'll believe after that the champions last season, so they've not started the season greatly this season, but who knows by that time of the season, we could be experiencing a high for a while. Lille could still be where they are, but I expect that to be a big game as we saw with the dramaticism last season. Uh, before we wrap things up, talking about Rangers, uh, can we just get some quick tops and flops? We'll go from an Orwell perspective first, Tom. Uh, obviously, Tucker can be had a good game. We've mentioned Bruno already. Is there anyone or them two players you want to talk about in general from a particular positive performance for Orwell? Well, yeah, as I said, you know, Toko Kambi needs to be shouted out because he doesn't have these kinds of games and we usually do hit a lot on him, uh, me particularly, uh, on this podcast. Um, I think Lopez has, is having the season of his career uh, so far. Um, that maybe we've mentioned this a few times that the Onana incident, well, episode uh, might have helped him. Um, I think, you know, uh, from as I'm a central defender in, in real life, uh, I think I'll have to shout out Denier because I think there's a type of performance that really reassures the rest of the defence. And it's really good to see him at the top of his level um, and the start of the season and that we truly did miss him in the likes of uh, the Angers game and even Clermont, I didn't think he was playing either. So you really do feel a difference. And I think the standout, a guy, uh, yes, we talk about Emerson every week because he's so exceptionally better than what we've had in the past. But on the other side, Malo Gusto, and I'm sure we'll get back to him uh, later on in this podcast when we talk about Paris, but Malo Gusto is one special kid, and I think it's going to be uh, one hell of a season for him. To spin that uh, question on a Rangers perspective, James, is there anyone that you took a bit of uh, pride in the performance from I guess causing us some problems for Gerard's men. The one player who I think most fans would have been surprised by the kind of step up in performance was John Lundstrom in the midfield. He has had a very difficult start to his Rangers career, some very tricky performances. Um, to put it mildly, I think a lot of fans, as Rangers fans tend to do, have kind of made their mind up already um, after you know, maybe a game or two, but he actually was playing a lot better uh, in the midfield in terms of, you know, he had a shot from the edge of the area that went wide, it was unlucky in terms of that. He did well in terms of winning the ball back on a lot of occasions. The issue still in terms of what he then did with the ball was, was still there, but he was he was probably, you know, the, on, the only player really over, over the piece that you turn around and say, actually, you know, he, he did well in terms of what we expected from him um and i thought liam balligan was the only other one who maybe you know 
had made some recovery tackles. I think I think him up against Slomani. I think it was a good. I think it was a good battle uh, in, in between those two, uh, which I think Balogun did himself justice in terms of that. They would be the two players that I think are worth uh, shouting out in a positive context. Just quickly, anyone particularly in a negative context that you thought was below par or really poor? Um, the way we play, we do rely a lot on Stephen Davis uh, putting in a, a solid kind of at least 7 out of 10 performance. Um, he didn't really do that and hasn't really stepped up this season like, you know, from compared to last season, like a few other players. Um, you know, I just think his lack of energy, he plays so often, he plays week in, week out, and he's 36, and I think the legs are just beginning to catch up on just a wee bit. Um, I think we would have benefited a lot more from the game had Stephen Davis played the way that we imagine Stephen Davis can. So I remember Stephen Davis ripping it up for Southampton a few years back. So that that does tell you probably the, that Stephen Davis is in the twilight of his career. But maybe yeah, that's something that OL can capitalise in the reverse picture. But I think we've cover the game quite well there um, thanks for coming on James it's a pleasure maybe we can get you on for the reverse game as well it's always great to hear the um, I guess the perspective of other fans just in terms of people being able to listen to the Heart and Hand podcast and follow yourself on Twitter do you want to uh, I guess plug the podcast and your personal socials certainly um, Heart and Hand are, are on Patreon just search for Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast you can find us there different tiers and do as I say all sorts of different shows I think I'm interviewing a coach from Lincoln Reddance later for example like do random stuff stuff like that uh, from my end um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Heart and Hammers um, I'm sure you know Twitter links in terms of show going up and whatnot by all means um, the head of the podcast David uh, he is at Ibrox Rocks on Twitter if you wish to give him a follow as well and you get all the sort of main podcast stuff from there as well two uh, shows go out for free weekly as well as other shows that we do on the Patreon website so yes I'd be delighted to come back on if I was given the opportunity to do so so thank you very much thanks for that James much appreciated so I think that covers Rangers. Obviously, we appreciate James coming on. I'm sure we'll have him back on in the um, in the forthcoming future when we discuss Rangers the next time around. But turning our attentions to the more recent future with uh, Paris Saint-Germain, we're happy to um, join another guest on the podcast this week. Two, we've gone forever without ever having one on, but we've got two guests for you this week. Uh, we're joined by um, Owen from the uh, Copham podcast, who was interestingly at the game last night uh thanks for coming on the podcast Owen tell us a little bit about yourself and your own personal podcast oh it's a delight to be here thank you very much uh for inviting me yeah I, I started a cop on podcast about four years ago now we're on season four and um it's really a lot of fun it's free um obviously it's got a Liverpool uh edge to it as you can probably tell by the title and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I like inviting fans from different clubs as well to talk about their team. I like to get different perspectives on things and it's generally open to anyone and everyone. So it's always going to be free to listen to. And um, we've also started a Premier League preview show on YouTube at 7pm every Friday. So if anyone wants to go on YouTube for that, 
than they can. It's live on YouTube at 7 p.m. to preview the matches, get involved in the chat and all that. And apart from all that, I, I teach English. I live in Paris, so I live actually in Boulogne-Billancourt, about a 10-minute walk from the stadium. And uh, I work in football and other industries. And um, I'm, you know, lucky enough to, to know um, a few of you could say the right people at Paris Saint-Germain who sorted me out with a, a pretty amazing ticket uh, yesterday for the match. So I was very privileged, positioned, very grateful for that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we'll get on to talk about the game soon. So it'll be great to uh, get a different perspective on Leon, especially with your, um, I guess, bias to Paris Saint-Germain as an adopted Parisian. Um, I guess that's a good place to start. I guess we've discussed the game not so much, but I'll give you a bit of context for the listeners. Leon were probably, from our perspective, a bit aggrieved not to get a result from the game. Uh, an opening goal from Paqueta set us off quite nicely in around the 55th minute mark and then things from there, the game became a little bit closer then. PSG were given a penalty for what, in my opinion, was a foul maladjusto, but again, we'll discuss that a little bit more. Neymar dispatched the penalty and then in the dying embers of the game, Mauro Cardi latched on to Kylian Mbappe's in-swinging cross to um, to make it 2-1. I'm sure that, Owen, you can probably tell us a little bit more about the atmosphere in the stadium on that one. Um, what was the game like, I guess, inside the stadium and um, what, did you, what did you think about the game in general? Obviously, it's a big game in the French football calendar. Yeah, huge match. And, you know, Messi's debut and everybody back in the stadium. And it was really bad. I mean, honestly, the match itself wasn't great. And I thought Paris are very lucky, actually, to get the three points. I thought a draw would have been the fair result. But uh, inside um, the ground, like I said, I was in, I was in the posh seats. And it's funny if you're in the post seats. I uh, believe me, it's not normal for, for me to be anywhere near there. And um, you know, everyone sort of keeps keeps themselves to themselves, keeps their emotions in. I guess they don't want to they don't want to look silly in front of you know the president of you know Belgium and the King of Spain or whatever who were just sat near. Or I don't know if they were really there. I don't recognise any famous people to be honest. But apparently, we were surrounded by all these you know. Um, dignitaries or whatever, I don't know, whoever was there. And so, you know, no one around me, everyone was sort of on their best behaviour. But to my left was the Village Auteuil, which is the famous stand in the north of the Parc de Prince, the north side, and it's, and man, they were the man of the match because they were bouncing, they were singing all the match, even when Leon scored, you know, I mean, it's quite normal to have that in Paris. They, I, don't, I don't even know if they watched the match, to be honest. They're just having a great time and, you know, making the huge noise. And, you know, at certain points, especially at the end with the winner, the whole ground where they were jumping up and down, apart from where I was. So everyone was like sitting going, oh, no, yeah, very good. Bravo. You know, quietly. Uh, but it was, uh, it was, it was great. The atmosphere was, was superb. And I'm sorry for the Leon fans because uh, I think you're absolutely right to feel aggrieved because I think in many ways uh, you outplayed Paris, but um, in the key areas, unfortunately, at key times, Paris's quality prevailed. As um, Owen mentioned there, Tom, obviously Paris have got 
know, the star-studded team. We mentioned Messi making his home debut. You know, Neymar scoring, Di Maria getting involved in some antics. Possibly could have been sent off in the red card. You know, Kylian Mbappe had a quiet game, but still got an assist. And then they can bring Wayne Alderman, um, Icardi from the bench. Do you think this probably had an impact in the game? And I guess looking from a Leon perspective, what did you think of our performance as a whole? I think, uh, you know, uh, if you're going to analyse the PSG side of the game, um, I think by far, actually, the two best players of PSG were Herrera and Di Maria. Di Maria is, like, the most underrated PSG player since he's arrived. You know, we've had the likes of Zlatan and Neymar and Mbappe, all that stuff has arrived at the club since he's been there. But he's shining out-and-out out performances. Yes, he could have been sent off. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of people compare it to the Howard incident against Montpellier last season. Um, it was very early on in the game. I don't think he probably would have been and should have been, but very good performance from him and Herrera. You know, a lot of people criticised him before arriving at the club, and he's actually shown that this season he's a key player. You know, he's maybe not their top scorer, but close to being a top scorer. You know, and. Uh, it is really good to see him doing that well. Um, unfortunately, you know, did well against us as well. And but that, you know, that's that's part of it. Uh, wasn't particularly impressed by by Mbappe or or Messi. Uh, I think Neymar had an okay game. Um, eventually, got into the game, and I think his last twenty minutes definitely showed his quality. Um, but yeah, to to go back to the Leon perspective, I think we did really well. I think there's no. You know, we come to, to the Parc des Princes and I've been a few times to watch Lyon there and um, I've seen some terrible performances, but mostly I've seen some very good performances and I seem to, there's an understanding that Lyon always usually performs at Paris, even though we don't always win or rarely do, uh, we always do perform. And I think that's, we showed exactly that. We weren't scared of the opposition. We weren't scared of the Galacticos, as they like to be called. Uh, we brought our own fight, uh, brought uh, the best number 10 Brazilian player in the league uh, to the stadium um, and and just showed them what we're worth. And I think a lot of France has understood that Lyon are not going to be you know, just trailing behind and fighting for fifth spot in Europa Conference League. I think we have a real chance, if we continue playing this way, to be in real contention for a podium. And to be fighting with the likes of Monaco, Marseille, and so on. So I, I, I obviously disappointed with the result, which was very last minute. And I think a draw would have been just about fair, uh, because as brilliant as we were, I think there's a lot of times when we suffered a lot, and and we we could have conceded you know, very easily. Uh, Messi's free kick, for example. Um, but uh, yeah, a draw would have been fair and and that's not what we got. And that's usually what happens with PSG when that's the kind of quality that they bring on from the bench. Um, but we have nothing to back out of. You know, yes, we can say that the refereeing was poor and so on. But ultimately, the lesson that we've learned is that we played really well away at Paris and that most teams in the league are not going to get any points against Paris. So... We didn't either. That's disappointing, but we move on. You know, we, we've got to focus on the 18 or 19 other teams in the league where we should be beating them because we are a top club and we did back out of the challenge. And I'm proud of the boys, just disappointed by the results, I think, ultimately.
as you say, talking there, you mentioned being proud and disappointed. It's probably a, a performance where you've got mixed emotions because even coming from a Paris perspective, I have seen Paris fans on Twitter saying that we did deserve a result, which, again, I would 100% agree with. I think our performance showed that, as you said, Tom, we are going to be fighting at that top end of the table this year, not scraping for the European Conference places. And I think when Voss does start to get properly into the swing of things and get his influence on the team that we will challenge for those positions um tom mentioned there jonathan about being proud i know you're a proud family on just going on the basis of the performance and everything that transpired um is that the main thing you took from the game that we've got to be proud of them especially traveling to a place like as the francis owens talks about that sort of atmosphere and to be able to put in that sort of performance for sure. You know, I, I, like you said, it's a big thing of mine to make well more known around the world internationally. Um, I think we have a lot of room to grow there. And for the first time, really, uh, of my recent memory, people around me in America were coming to me, texting me, oh, I can't wait for this match. I'm going to watch PSG. It's the best game of the weekend. You know, that doesn't happen very often. And it was great to have such exposure and to have a, a great performance for us. I mean, I think it was pretty even overall. I don't, as a general rule, I don't like criticizing referee decision being like, that's why we didn't win. I don't think it was a good call, but other, other things could have happened. They could have scored other ways. So it's unfortunate that they lost. I don't think it changes the way we played. We were really aggressive. This was... And they don't always play well against big opponents, kind of why I'm proud of them always, that you, we usually step up in the big moments. What we don't step up in is when we play weaker teams, supposedly, and we low results. But here, we made us, we made the team proud. We, you know, very tough on the ball. We, we were very high pressure. A lot of, I think we won the midfield battle. A lot of jokes online, you know, Lyon has the best midfield. I thought we were really, you know, and, and to be fair, I think PSG was very poor. I don't think we played the best PSG. I think they were really poor. Even when they tied it at 1-1, actually, I was very confident. I thought, we can take them. We can take them. They're completely cut in half. They're the, the, the front the trio, no one's running anymore. There's no pressure. They're just all walking. And it's very easy to get to the other side of the field. I, we were lacking quality up front. I don't think Slimani is enough to win the game. I mean, I, I don't think he was the right option, but we don't really have a choice at this point. So, um PSG was poor. We played one of our best matches of the season, and still we didn't win. But I'm proud of it. I think everyone in the world saw a good Lyon. People are going to come out of it saying, "Oh, that was a good team. They're they're good." So I'm happy for it. Great, and also just the atmosphere, Parc des Princes. I love it. I grew up in France, grew up in Paris. I've been to Parc many times. I love it. They did a great job. You know, very lively. I enjoyed it. They even they even did the you know. Um, Lyon, Lyon, on top, you know, whatever. I did that a lot, which I don't love. But, you know, classic. As you say, it's good to see fans back in crowds. I think we can only be positive about the performance despite the end result. Um, just quickly, from a bit of a PSG perspective, obviously Liverpool, your first team, Owen, but being living in Paris and following PSG closely, what would you take from their performance, obviously? They've got a, a team full of stars this season, as we mentioned, as we previewed this start of, uh, start of this section of the podcast. Were you 
were you impressed with the uh, the stars as you mentioned? It was must have been a pleasure to see Messi play his first game at the park. But were you, I guess, a little bit disappointed with the way he played? Well, you know, watching Messi play football is like watching Jimi Hendrix playing guitar. It's an absolute privilege. Um, so it was my first time seeing him in the flesh. I never made it to Barcelona. And it was always, it's always like, a, you know, a dream ever since he started his career, just as a general football fan to watch, you know, Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel. It's that kind of level of genius, in my opinion. But, um, you know, I, 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 would, I, I would disagree with something that Tom said about, about Ander Herrera in general, because I would agree with Jonathan that I think Leon won the midfield battle. I mean, you had 4-2-3-1 versus 4-2-3-1, and the two defensive midfielders of, of Lyon were, looked much better, much livelier, much snappier to me than, than the Paris one. I, I, I know where Tom's coming from in terms of, you know, Ander Herrera's got lovely technique, but he's very sort of ponderous, and, and there were lots of times problems with the PSG performance in terms of lots of players, um, but especially Herrera, taking three touches, maybe four touches, where one or two would have been much better, you know, because I think when you're playing, you know, both both in the same formation, 4-2-3-1, is quite a defensive, you know, conservative formation. You need to be as, as zippy as you can with the ball. And Messi... I mean, Messi, he, he had uh, four shots. I've got a few stats in front of me. Two, two shots on target, two key passes. Um, whereas Neymar had two shots, one on target. I mean, that was the goal, presumably, of three key passes. But for me, Neymar, he was often like running down blind alleys, very, very selfish. Messi was, 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 was brilliant, even though he, he's not, you know, quite gelled with his teammates. He he gelled more than anyone else did. I mean, Mbappe, I thought, yeah, he was quiet, but it was the zip from midfield and the, you know, quick play that was missing that didn't give Mbappe a chance. So I think that, you know, Pochettino, I mean, bringing off Messi, that was a bit of a, a strange one. Maybe he's trying to turn PSG into Tottenham Hotspur. I don't know. You probably hope so as Lyon fans. Uh, but um, it was a bit of a Spursy substitution there. But uh, I thought generally, yeah, PSG they 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 have um, a, yeah, a lot of work to do. Uh, but I just don't think ugh, I could talk for hours. But just one more thing I'd like to say is when they lose the ball in attack, PSG with these uh, three superstars, plus Di Maria. Di Maria puts a shift in. I agree with Tom. He's a really underrated player, really good player, but he runs back. But like the, the, the three of them, they were defending with seven, basically, instead of 10 uh, outfield players, you know, because Neymar occasionally tries and Bappi doesn't really try. Messi's walking, you know, and so it's so easy in that transition uh, from a PSG point of view, from attack defence or from a Lyon point, point of view yesterday, from defence to attack, to exploit the space. And I think Slimani, as Jonathan said, is, is not your man. He's not your big, he's not the main guy because 
you know, it's a shame that it's Moussa Dembele who's injured, isn't it, who, who would have started. But I think that was the huge thing for Lyon. And, and if you had had a, a proper number nine to, to work with uh, Paquetos, who's really good, then, you know, and Bruno Guimaraes, I've got to say, defensive midfield, fabulous performance as well, blocking and stopping uh, PSG's rhythm. He, he did really well. Um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, with with a number nine, it was it, Leon would have walked away with a two-one victory or three-one even uh, yesterday. I think you make a good point that Leon did miss Moussa Dembele, obviously in terms of having a number nine who knows where the back of the net is. That does make a a big impact. Obviously, goal scorers win football matches, but. Probably one area where the game was turned on its head was Malo Augusto's challenge. I think we can't really talk about the game without really mentioning this. From my perspective, this for me personally, but was it uh, Topa disagreed? We know French referees can be um, questionable at times. We've spoken about that a few times on the podcast. But I guess my question is, I'll come to you first, Tom. What did you think of the penalty decision and were you surprised that VAR didn't intervene? Well, I mean, if VAR has not, definitely not intervened, it's an issue. Like uh, I watched uh, the United-West Ham game um, the same afternoon and it felt the same, like Ronaldo went down three times in the box and no one watched it. Um, and then the magical last one of Mark Noble, you know, but he doesn't score that one, but he gets a VAR check at least. This was surprising at best to be kind to the referees. Like, you, there is all obviously a, a part of Neymar that's destabilized and he's always going down anyway. But the fact that he's pulling on his shirt with his left hand and pulling on Malagusto's hair with his right hand, you just like, do you not want to focus on the ball in the first place? Like, get a grip. Um, yeah, it, it was truly disappointing because I don't think, if anything, that it's more of a foul on Malagusto. And uh, someone mentioned on Twitter earlier, there's a there's a penalty against Barcelona two years ago where Suarez steps on Denaro's foot and then falls over. It's just not the same. Like, they, they're making the foul and, and we get impeded. Um I could understand that from behind. You know, the ref is seeing Gusto touching Neymar's legs, and that that's a clear foul. Uh, but now we have VAR, means that you should use it. Like it's like goal line technology. You know, it just if it goes in and you don't use goal line technology and just move on, you're like, well, what's the point of putting it there? I'm not saying that we should use VAR at every instance, but in this case, it was a bit dodgy, and it would take one minute to just check it, you know. Whether they decide afterwards that it's not a penalty, that's another issue. Um, but the fact that they didn't check it was was a bit of a problem for me. I guess that defeats the point of VAR, doesn't it? I mean, what's your opinion on that, really, Owen? Obviously, we know watching the Premier League, VAR can be a bit questionable. Maybe it's improved a little bit this year in terms of offside decisions. But as a whole... What's your opinion and what did you think of the penalty situation? It was never a penalty, but I'm, I am I am in a, a sort of maybe unique position in a way because um, the head of VAR and uh, the head of 
I think the head of refereeing in France, I should know, but I don't actually know. He's certainly one of the top dogs. They're both uh, my students. <laughs> so um, I spent a long time talking about VAR last season. And from their perspective, right, what they have to do, I think it's still the case this year, is it, is it they have to decide, is it a clear and obvious error, like in the Premier League? Um, and it's the question is not, is it the right decision? Hmm. So... Also, they've got access to different angles. So I'm, I'm saying, okay, first of all, it's, my eyes is never a penalty. But if you're the VAR in that situation, you're not looking for, is it the correct decision? What you're almost trying to do, because that's what the rules say, they have to follow the laws of the game exactly, is that is, is, has the referee made a glaring error? So what they're going to do is they're going to look from all these different angles. And from the angle that I've seen and probably you've seen as well, the one that's shown on the league on broadcast, you can't really see, but maybe there was contact with Neymar's ankle from the Leon defender. And so maybe from a different angle, that contact, contact was clearer. So despite the fact that, yes, Neymar's tugging at his shirt, he's probably got a hold of his hair as well. Um, and, you know, if you're the VAR, if you put yourself in a VAR's position, they are just looking to basically, if there's contact in the box and Neymar goes down because someone's kicked him on the back of the ankle, you can't really say that it's definitely a huge error. So we have to overturn it. So unfortunately, it's like really unfortunate. It's a problem with the rules because the rules don't say simply is it the right decision or not? I think that's an issue with VAR in itself, really, you know, from being the Premier League with, you know, we spoke about on Copland before, Owen, that VAR has been unkind to uh, Liverpool and many teams, and this time it has been to uh, to Leon. I guess it's something you've just got to take with a bit of a pinch of salt and move on it, just to... Just to discuss Gusto a little bit more, uh, Jonathan, because obviously the penalty wasn't reflective of his performance. He was excellent. You know, he was uh, tired a little bit towards the game, which is understandable when you've got Neymar, Messi and um, Mbappe in at you when you're just 18 years of age. But as a whole, how do you think he caught with the game? And again, just what's your opinion on the penalty? I guess obviously we can't really not get everyone's opinion on it. It was the main talking point from the game. I do want to talk about the clear and obvious stuff. I actually love that rule. I think because uh, I watch Ellen America, so I see the NFL, the American football here, and that's the standard where they have the ruling on the field, and if it's not clear and convincing, they don't overturn it. And I think that's overall should be the rule for the referees in charge. He makes decisions. We should intervene all the time. The problem is they intervene all the time. Other matches, they do things that are not clear and obvious, or they change opinions. Um what really bothered me here was they didn't look at it. I, I don't understand how they didn't let the referee decide. Was that a clear and obvious error? Would I, if I had seen that angle where he's putting his hand around him, would that have been clear and obvious to me? He could have agreed with it. I just, I don't understand why there wasn't more time when most neutral people saw it and didn't think it was a foul. But besides that, um, Gusto, phenomenal player. I mean, at 18 years old, he's so good. He has to learn defensively, positioning, but you know, just in his, in his speed and and strength and and movement, he's he's just really promising. And much better than I ever thought he would be at this time. Um, 
he defended very well against the, the wing players, you know, going crazy and tackling and, and catching up to players who are behind him. You know, usually no one catches up to Mbappe or Neymar. These players, he fought and he kept fighting. And if it was Dubois, he would have just been, you know, walking. It, it was complete, completely different. So not that Dubois doesn't have his own advantages, but I think he's still really impressive. Again, he got a five in keep. Totally, oh no, I don't understand the ratings ever. He was he was a top player. He made a few mistakes, like any 18-year-old, but he's going to be someone in the future you can count on. Really proud of him. I hope he gets more games, and it'll always be bittersweet when he eventually is going to go down to the club captain, Dubois. I think you're right. You've pointed a bit of a predicament there for the... Um... For the selection team, probably Peter Moss there in terms of going forward. I think Gusto's definitely taught himself into contention with his recent performance as we spoke about his performance against Rangers. Excellent. And again, take away the penalty and it was almost a near-perfect performance. It's one of those things, I guess, you've just got to take with a, a pinch of salt, but hopefully we do see him get more minutes. Uh, just from an outside perspective, Owen, was there anyone you were particularly impressed with from Leon on the night? Yeah, I mean, as I said before, the, the defensive field, I can't pronounce it. Is it Bruno Guimaraes? Is that right? The Bruno Guimaraes, yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, really good. Really good. Um, I'm not congratulating my own pronunciation. I'm talking about the player. Uh, yeah, the player, he was great. Um, and uh, Paqueta as well, yeah. You know, tricky, skillful, great touch, silky. Silkier than, you know... One of my dad's old packet of silk cut cigarettes. He was really, you know, delicious skills. Um, so, yeah, those two stood out. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I thought, you know, because I, I don't follow, I don't follow Leon, I, I don't follow Ligon all that closely. I can't say that I, you know, can, can, can compare this performance to any other Leon performance this season because I haven't seen any. But those those were the two standout players for me, uh, and I thought they were you know very exciting. But just as a team, generally, you know, uh, you looking good, you know, looking good. Not 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 much to worry about at this stage. And when I was talking to people after the match, they all you know they were all saying how well Leon uh, did. So you know, it's it's or how well Leon had done. Uh, so uh, yeah, it, it's um, yeah, lots of positives from a Leon perspective. I think. I think we can all agree with you there in terms of the positives. It's um, it's nice to see us play like that. Obviously, we had the win at the part of the Prince last season. We probably deserved a positive result from this game, but not forthcoming. Um, just before we, I guess, finish on this section, just coming from a Leon perspective to see you, Tom and Jonathan. Who would you say were probably the key players for us? Obviously, Owens mentioned uh, Bruno had another mammoth game. Paquetta's Paquetta, he always shows up in the big games. Would you want to touch on those two a little bit more? Is there anyone else, maybe a unsung hero from the, ma the match that isn't spoke about as much? Come to you first, Tom. Well, I mean, there's there's been comparisons with Paqueta. I mean, other than his silky touch, I mean, Eurosport wrote an article today saying that he's a mix of Pogba and Kante, which uh, I think is a bit of a stretch, but he does defend quite a lot. Like, there is a part of him that, on on pressures, I think he's one of the highest um, 
attacking players definitely in the league but maybe even in Europe like he made six tackles in the first half something along those lines which is unheard of for number 10 um, other than that I think Kakri actually showed promise because he's been a bit underwhelming uh, throughout the, the season so far but actually showed a bit more of it and yes he was a bit jittery at times like throwing away the ball and, and giving it away very cheaply but when it came to picking up the ball and taking it out definitely a, a standout um, and I think the final one I mean other than Gusto and, and the two Brazilians I think Anderson had a decent game actually because there's a few times when uh, Denier didn't want to run out from his own box and just gave it to him and was like do whatever you can and he's like okay my my best solution is now to nutmeg Di Maria or give it away well I'll nutmeg Di Maria I think that's the solution and he did it like a few times as well so um when it came to like build up play from the back I think Emerson was definitely key to that and essential to bring up the ball upfield um so yeah, I think those, you know, Kakri and Emerson, other than the people we've already mentioned so far, are the two that I would say are standout. Uh, what about you, Jonathan? Would you agree with the ones Tom's mentioned there? I just think it's worth noting Lucas Paqueta made a league high seven dribbles in the game as well, which is the highest in the league so far. So that just shows the, um, I guess, the elegance of his performance. But uh, would you agree with Paqueta as the star man or is there someone else you want to um, give a shout out? I'm going to give a shout-out to someone that I don't think I'm ever going to shout-out to, but I'm going to give it to Tokoi Kambi. I think the past week overall has been fantastic for him, but at any every point I thought he was taking advantage of, of Kerrer, which is a terrible player. I don't know what he's doing at PSG. He was just taking advantage of him easily. A few chances that were created came from him. He almost you know, tried to do the same move he did that earlier, earlier in the week in Strangers. He just seemed really energetic and, and really at the peak of his form. And we, we don't have anyone else like that. Shakiri is not provoking anything on the right wing. He's just a, a mature, composed player. And Toko Ikambi is the one going deep and putting pressure on the defense and, and you know, on counter. Because a lot of it was counterattacks. It was very important to have him. So I'll give him some credit. Um, doing great so far. The back line also as a whole, I think to, to, it's rare for us to have a, a solid back line where everyone is doing their job and they're all working together. We're not used to have that at Lyon. We've had a left back, no left back for the past, I don't know, three years. Um, now we finally have a left back that can play the game, and it makes a huge difference. And Boateng and I are together are going to get much better. The experience, you could tell. They even got, you know, they try to pass back to Lopez because the identity is to be, let's play back from the back. Lopez is really unfit for this. He's freaking out all the time. Every time he gets it, I know in his head, it's like, I'm freaking out. I need to get rid of this ball. <laughs> he tries his best, and... and it's just it's it's sad and hopefully he cannot make mistakes. But so the back line and Toga Kambi, good job to them. Um, let's just see let's just see what happens next. I think yeah, you're right. It's been a big week for Toko Kambi. I think Lopez maybe deserves a bit of credit for this week and the two games, particularly in some of the saves he's made. Like just in general, we know we talk about Lopez being a bit of a basket kiss at times, but some of the saves he's made and I think the um, Onana situation has spurred him on. In terms of negatives, obviously we talk about a really strong team performance, but is there anyone alarmingly that you'd mention in terms of having a poor game, Jonathan? Like I said earlier, I think Slimani is the only one that I would say didn't play well. He was all alone up there, but 
he's not really a ten. There's no other player. So we don't. We don't. Dembele was out. Kedewer is out. Those are all our number nines. So we're very weak at that position. This tier, maybe you could put Toko Kambi up front. That's what I would have done. Um, but with you know, Slimani can't to be a counterattack player. It's just not his style. He was all alone. He had no chance of beating Marquinhos to keep him at any point. So. He's my only all man out, but I know I want to be collectively good performance. Let's not get down on one player. This was probably our best performance of the season because it's the best opponent we've played. So stay positive, build on this, you know, that we can do this. Just interestingly, from an outside perspective, before we wrap this section up, Owen, was there anyone that you thought was a real weak point for Leon that I guess PSG's obvious quality was able to capitalize on? No, I, I don't have anything to add apart from, you know, Slimani as well. But, I, you know, um, tactically as a team, I thought, you know, it, it was like one plan really to, to attack from the sides. Um, but as I said before, the, the defensive midfield duo of Paris Saint-Germain, I didn't think that Garn had, had, had the best game. And Ander Herrera, as, as, as I said before, is a little bit like Saul in that he's very technical and he's really good with the ball, but he's also like he's ponderous for that position. He doesn't have the dynamism of a proper number six. And I just thought that maybe a couple of times in that transition uh, from PSG attacking to defending when, you know, only seven of them, seven of them are sprinting back that there were sometimes gaps in the middle that Leon maybe could have exploited a bit more um but it's just nitpicking really but you know because generally they yeah really good so I don't know nothing you guys got nothing to worry about just uh maybe get a number nine uh but uh or get them back from an injury uh but no really good performance Nice to hear um, from a different perspective. Uh, nice to hear your tactical outsights as well there. Uh, we obviously appreciate you coming all the way in to hear more of this uh, tactical knowledge. Where can, uh, where can our listeners find you on uh, Twitter? Well, yeah, at Cop On Podcast uh, on, on Twitter or, you know, there's, um, or, you know, there's a search engine called Google. Uh, you can try, uh, just look for Cop On podcast we got you'll find loads of stuff you'll find there on youtube you'll find uh all the old podcasts or you know wherever you get your podcasts if you're interested in the liverpool stuff or if you're interested in the premier league then you know on on subscribe to our youtube channel um yeah cop on same thing k-o-p-o-n very much appreciated we'll provide links in the description to this podcast be sure to check it out we very appreciate you coming on thanks owen pleasure thanks for being always a pleasure to have guests on if you know or recommend anyone or would like to come on yourself just drop us a message on twitter or any of us on twitter and we'd be happy to welcome you on before we wrap up we'll just touch quickly on ol's next midweek game ol will be uh, playing trois at group armor stadium Twara newly promoted this season, so I guess they're a bit of an unknown quantity. They've started probably fairly positively based on what their aspirations for the season would be there. Sitting in 13th place so far, a couple of positive results in most recent weeks, drawing 1-1 with Montpellier and a 2-1 win over Mets. 
Mets are struggling a little bit at the moment, so maybe that's taken with a bit of pinch of salt, but even still positive nonetheless. Um, for probably English listeners, Twar are probably most relevant due to a link with Manchester City. Within the City, Twar do act as a feeder club. They've got four players on loan this season, some of which include Patrick Roberts and Issa Kabore. So it's interesting to see these sorts of players, you know, from the Premier League coming to League and as a almost like a stepping stone. Although Patrick Roberts has been in Manchester City's academy for a while now, has been out on a few loan moves. Just to get your opinions on it, really, what do you sort of think of this model, Jonathan? I guess it's something we don't see quite often, but even again, it can be very profitable for these sorts of clubs. I, I think investment in Liga overall is a good thing. I, I don't know. I wouldn't want this model as a as a fan because I want my club to beat the club and everything is geared toward that one. Same thing as the Red Bull model. You know, it, it's good to be the top feeder club, so Man City is good for them. But for everyone else, it's not the best. But for Liga as a whole, investment is good. Some of the players they brought on loan or brought that were bought by Man City but sent to Satoir are, are better players than they could get. So for the Quad League, it's a good thing for investment in facilities and the stadium, which is important for overall quality of the league. I think that's also a good thing. So um, I wouldn't want it to be for my club, but but I'm glad it's in the game. It's, it's more attention that we can have at this point is better. The, we need to grow as a league. So let's get um, any player from Man City that comes here would be beneficial. For sure. Getting those sorts of players in league is a big thing. Obviously, you want the league to grow because that helps Leon, I guess, to more eyes, etc. Um, have you got any real opinions on this feeder club policy, Tom? It's something, obviously, writing about articles, it's one of those topics that some people will probably disagree with that, you know, a set of owners can own. I think what's nearly upwards of 10 clubs now with the City Group, but is it something you'd like to see, especially talking about our league in league? I agree with Jonathan. I think it's a positive um, for the league and definitely for some clubs, you know, who might be growing, but then uh, I wouldn't want it to happen to my club either. Um, it just depends how you handle it because there's, uh, within the CFG, there's obviously a lot of movement and lots of loans and players who are not stabilizing in one set area. And it could be quite difficult for some of the young players to really develop when um, I know the aim is for them to go out and play a lot of minutes and so on. And we saw this with, with Angel Gomez going to, to Boa Vista, for example, last year from Lille. Uh, played a lot of minutes and had a great time. But um, I, I'm, I'm just thinking that it's, to a lesser extent, what Chelsea does with the academy and just sending out hundreds of players everywhere. And it just... It's difficult, I think, for the players. I don't mind it so much as a feeder club. I think it's also a way for English clubs to to go around the, the whole new Brexit policies and so on to be able to still get young players in and so uh, etc. Uh, without actually breaking the laws. Not that CFG, uh, not that City have never broken the law. We all know that. Um, but um, no, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think it's it needs to be done properly. Like I think Red Bull do it quite well. With, with you know smooth transitions between coaches and players will upgrade to Leipzig uh, and so on uh, rather than just being thrown out uh, through the window and just being put into a set of places without having much of a say. Um, so I do hope that investment does help uh, Trois 
because I think they're a, a decent club, you know. It's it's a club that's been going up and down recently in Ligue 1 and have always shown a lot of attacking output and decent quality. They just never had enough quality to stay up and re-show what they're worth. And this might be the year. I mean, I think I'll just scrape through, I think, for the first year. But maybe City will see this as a great opportunity to scout more French players, get them to to play a bit more in France before bringing them to Manchester City and probably sell them on afterwards. But at least they get a real shot in, in Trois and I just hope they stay up. Um, I do also hope that we take three points this week. I think that's beyond the, the, the issue. But um, no, I don't, I'm not against it. I just think it needs to be done properly for the young players not to suffer too much from the project, I guess. Yeah, that's a fair point, as you mentioned, with Chelsea, you can see a club stockpiling players where it almost gets out of hand and they end up on loan at areas where they don't really want to be playing but they've got to do it for game time uh, looking more towards the game then as you mentioned previously it's been a big week for a while you know two massive games first one back in European competition and Paris away is always a big match do we expect some rotation on the back of this Jonathan obviously we can't go the season playing the same 11 all the time playing in three competitions hopefully going far in three competitions as well that's not possible but do you expect to see some changes on the back of what's been two really big games in the season so far for us yeah of course I think we can't like you said we can't play every match the same lineup I think Awar will definitely start that's one midfielder out I, I read that somewhere that maybe Toko was injured. He kind of hurt himself partially. I don't know if that's going to affect him, but I would like him to still play. He only played 65 minutes, so he shouldn't be one that's subbed. Um, I probably think Mendes at some point is going to play if he's if he's healthy to give some breathing to the, the you know, Guimaraes, who's played 90 minutes pretty much every game that he's been back since he went for Copa America or for um, qualification in, in Brazil. Um, so he hasn't had any time to relax. So I would see a Mendes, Awar coming in. Maybe Cherokee. Maybe Cherokee gets a start, you know, for a nice little positive. Um, that would be nice too. And in the back, I, maybe Diomande will start for Boateng. So some rotation there. Um, so I do think that's way enough to beat Trois. This is a game where you're supposed to win at home. No problem. So uh, this is if there is a bit of time to make a, a rotation, this is the time. I'd agree this is a, a suitable occasion to make rotation. Obviously, we've had a little bit of a struggle with injuries coming off the back of the international break. Leo Dubois, Moussa Dembele, Antino Kadawiri all picking up injuries within that time frame. Obviously, Moussa Dembele is coming through, but he could be back for this game. Tom, do you see him being a, an opportunistic option for Leon to, I guess, get three points? You know, we'll be going up against our... Um, friendly for uh, Yusuf Kone for Trois. Do you think he could um, cause Leon some problems on the other side? But I guess talking a little bit more about uh, Dembele, do we think he'll start? And if does, do you see him being a star man? I definitely think that Yusuf Kone is a star man for for, for Trois. I think there's a bit of debate there. He's a generational player and I think Robert Carlos watches his videos every week. Um, there's, there's no real debate about that. Um, I hope Dembele gets the start, <laughs> like in all honesty. I, I do hope he gets the start because it was a bit poor at times with Slimani um, against Paris. But, um, you know, we don't know exactly the player's fitness and so on. 
Um, do we get to see Shirky a bit more, even if he doesn't start? Maybe he gets at least uh, a good, a good half an hour rather than ten. You know, uh, some people will say on Twitter if Shirky gets ninety minutes, he's definitely going to score at some points. Uh, I'm not sure necessarily about that. I think he's still a lot to learn, but uh, I think if you give him a real chance, he's definitely going to be creating space. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but I, I definitely was not particularly impressed by Sha- Shakiri's performance. Uh, it might be he might be more useful against a team like Hot in Paris. I think that's that's also a case to be made. But um, maybe this is the time for for Shirky to step in and show that he's you know worth uh, playing at the top level. Um, not that we have any doubts about it. Maybe it's more of a question in one or two years rather than now. Um, so who knows? I, I'm I'm hoping that Dembele gets a start and that maybe we rotate a few few people. Maybe Kaita gets to play a bit more. It was it was nice to see him play a bit against PSG. Not that he showed all that much, but you know, he got to play. Um, so no, I think our, our regulars are going to be the, the star players again. You know, Paqueta, the Bruno Guimaraes, and so on. Um, will they necessarily all start? I don't think so. I think Bosch is intelligent enough to realize that. We've played every three days and it's been intense. So I, I don't know. I think Dembele is worth worth trying to get him onto the pitch at least because he's going to get his goals as usual. I do hope you're right that Dembele can um, get on the score sheet and hopefully get back on the pitch because I think we do miss him. Maybe not so much against Rangers, but it was evident with Slomani against Paris that we missed uh, a real number nine leading line and with the form that he's in that's the uh, the sort of man you want up there um hoping that he is on the pitch do we have any score predictions if Dembele is on not on whatever we think but what kind of game are we seeing after a big week are we seeing a bit of maybe fatigue setting in I'll come to you first Jonathan yeah, I, I think there obviously is going to be fatigue somewhat Emerson is going to play what every every game of the season hopefully. You know, no, we don't have much depth at certain positions, and that's the way our roster is. We have, you know, Bosch wanted quality in every line. We got quality in every line, but we don't have depth. Uh, so, for this kind of match at home against Trois, I, I, I would say 2 1. Trois scored in every game pretty much, or actually most games in the season except one against Clermont. So, I see him scoring a goal, you know, 2 1, 2 3 1, let's say. And, Dembélé scoring again to help his, his total. I'd like to see that. And maybe Awar finally getting some stats. That would be nice too. Be positive to get another win after a big week. Uh, what about you, Tom? Are you, um, are you signing on the same air of confidence of Jonathan that we can get a win on Wednesday night? Oh, I'm definitely hoping for a win. And I definitely was going to go also for 2 or 3-1. And that's more or less what we can expect. Um... And yeah, I think uh, Awar, it's his time, you know, it's it's time for him to show that even in smaller games in brackets that he should be performing at, the, at this level and show that what he's worth. Uh, I do also expect Paqueta to shine once again and probably get one of the goals. So it probably could be three goals with Dembele, Paqueta and Awar, which would feel pretty, uh, well, pretty good, you know, very wholesome as a whole. <laughs> be nice to see that trio score, I must admit. I'm going to go a bit more positive than you guys. I'm going to say we win 3-0 and keep a clean sheet. I think I think we've progressed a lot in the last two or three weeks. I think 
the clean sheets, well, what should have been a clean sheet against Strasbourg, the clean sheet against Nantes and the clean sheet against Rangers, I show we've got where we thought this season that we may struggle at the back a little bit. I think we've probably got that hoodoo out of his head a little bit. We've been a lot more solid defensively. I think Boateng's only going to help that. Denier coming back in, he's had a couple of monstrous performances in recent weeks. I know we didn't mention him, but I think he was massive in both games against PSG and Rangers. So I um, I fancy us to get a big win. I'm going to go Dembele with a brace and I'll side with you guys. Awa gets his first goal of the season as well. Um, has anyone got anything else to add? I know it's been a long episode and we've we've been sat here for a while, so we probably want to uh, a quick wrap up. Has anything got anything to add? I give props to I think Tom last week for the prediction on the Paris game, even though it was a loss. I think I think he was right. So you know, yes, I was. That's the point. Was, of it. Sadly, I was right. <laughs> yeah, the only time we're ever right, it's the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> At least we're right about something. Um. I think that tells you the episode in general, really. Thanks once again to our guest coming on. James, you can check out his podcast in the description below. The same with Owen, you can check out his podcast in the description below. Um, other than that, thanks for listening once again. Keep sharing, keep listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers, guys. Bye.